The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Heyo! Welcome in to another episode of the TFA Dino Show. We've made it to episode 31, and tonight we are talking about an interesting topic that I have not seen anybody else do. We are going to compare the rookies and sophomore running backs and wide receivers to kind of parse out where we're fitting in these rookies in in the dynasty landscape, right? Um, The youth influx has been fantastic in the 2020 class and 2021 class, but how do we parse through all of these uh, names, all of these people? Uh, And to help me with that, I have my main squeeze, Tom Corson, and we are joined with CJ Lang, Clubba. Hey, CJ, give me something good about your week so far. Uh, I got to eat lunch every day this week. Is that like a breakfast, lunch, and dinner kind of situation, or or what's going on there? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I usually skip breakfast and then a protein shake for dinner, and then I'll have some sort of sandwich and some sort of Reese's for lunch. Super healthy diet. You're living that batch life right now. You're very braggy about it. Calories don't count when you live by yourself. There you go. Tom, how are you, my friend? I'm tired. I had a long day, Robbie. But, you know, I'm going to catch my 15th win here. Just looking at, at both of your faces, it makes me wake up. I got a little scared when I saw your, your scruff. You're not going to catch up to me. Man, but I, I, I don't think I can. That's, that's a beautiful beard. Um, and that's the only compliment you'll get from me tonight. Uh, So, gentlemen, let's dive right into the meat of the show. We're going to start off with running backs because, like I said at the top, we have a huge influx of talent in the 2020 class, maybe not quite as much in this 2021 class, but a lot of great names to choose from. So I'm basically going to go our consensus ranking, so how we have them, all three of us, when we combine them top to bottom. And and we're going to stop and pause on some of these names where we have uh, disagreements, where we have a big separation in our rankings. And so uh, starting off the list for us is Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Tom has him at two. I'm at three. And CJ, you have him down there at five. So not a ton of disagreement there, maybe just a little bit. Um, And then right behind him is DeAndre Swift. Um, I have him at five, and then you two have him at seven. Our first big disagreement comes with Cam Akers, where, Tom, you have him all the way up as your running back six in Dynasty. And CJ and I are a little bit further back. I'm at 12 and 13. So let's just start there. So, Tom, why do you have – Cam Akers so much higher than us at running back six. 
you guys know how much I love Cam Akers coming out at the you know beginning of the season last year as a rookie. I basically how said how I thought he was going to be that bell cow for Sean McVay. Took him a little bit to come on, but he came on at the end of the year. Um, and McVay actually showed trust in him as the year went on. In the playoffs, he averaged 110 rushing yards a game, uh, 23 rushes. He had 28 rushes in one game and 18 the other, and averaged 4.8 yards a carry. So that was by far the best two-game two stretch he had. Um, he had a full – so he's got a full year in the system now after no real off-season program. That's going to help Akers a lot. Pair that with a better quarterback in Matt Stafford. Uh, and he's got the second easiest running back schedule in the league, according to Fantasy Pros. So one thing I think he's got a, a lot of room to grow in, which some are going, going to say his knock is, is in the passing game. I think he can be a very good receiving back. I think uh, McVay prefers to use one elite running back in the offense, so it's more unpredictable. We saw that with Gurley. That's why he was so elite. Uh, and, you know, overall, I think – Akers is just primed for a huge workload. Uh, he can break it, and I think he's going to have a big season, and I can't wait to see it. I think the one thing that he really can improve upon, though, is he didn't do great in the red zone. He did not do great down near the goal line. Uh, I remember that was maddening a few times he got the kick. I think there was one series he got the ball three times and couldn't get in the end zone uh, towards the end of the season, and that drove me nuts. So he's got some room. Um to get better there. I think the offensive line needs to be better in LA, but overall I love Cam Akers. I love the talent. And I think he's with the perfect coach to maximize his skill set. Yeah. I feel like this could be the player where I, I turn around and say, man, I, I maybe have him too low, but there's just a ton of guys that I feel like just round out a, a top five running back a little bit better for me. When you talk about that pass catching and you talk about um, the, the full workload and maybe he gets that and maybe he shows us what he did at, at Florida state and he can catch the football and, and they um, let him loose with that a little bit. Uh, CJ, you are just a tick lower than I am with him. So technically the low man, right? Uh, give us why you have, Cam Akers down there at 13. Well, I'm really not buying into the coach speak uh, about Akers from McVay this year. Uh, you know, Gurley was a guy that you could give the ball to 300 times and and set it and forget it. But when he wasn't that guy, you know, McVay kind of adopted that Shanahan committee approach that they had kind of done in Washington. You know, Akers, Henderson, and uh, Brown all had 100 carries for them last season. Uh, you know, with Malcolm Brown gone now, uh, no real solid running back three choice. Uh, I really think Akers should get more carries, but now you inject Matthew Stafford, who's a much more effective and efficient passer than uh, Jared Goff was. And, and with Bobby Trees and Cup and now Deshaun Jackson there, Tutu Atwell, Higby, I'm just not sure that this offense won't be more pass-centric than they've been in the, in the past. Some Tutu Atwell love coming at us. I, I like it. I like it. Hey, I, I think there's the one thing that I would just point out, uh, kind of siding with CJ here, is that when he went off at the end of the year, uh, Cam Akers, that is, the the last uh, five weeks, he obviously missed the one game, but weeks 13 to set through 17, he scored 13.9 points per game in PPR scoring. And that was basically similar to Chris Carson, Leonard Fournette, Zeke during that time span. And he was the running back 23. So we're talking about even when he's going off and getting the majority of the workload, doing everything, he's still a, a back-end RB2. Um, and then we, we go back to the pass catching again. He only averaged two receptions per game 
when he was the full-time uh, workload guy. So can that stuff improve? Can he take the next step? Like, like Tom's saying, I absolutely think he can. Um, there's just a, a, a plethora of other guys that I'm just going to have above him because they've already shown me that. So um, that's one where I have to see it before, before I do it. Uh, another running back people are pumped up about is Najee Harris. Uh, we have him as consensus running back 11. I have him at the lowest at 13. CJ, you're right there, square in the middle at 11. And then, Tom, you have him up at 9. I'll just give my thoughts uh, right away. It's not that I am worried about Najee Harris or I think he's worse than, than any of these uh, other backs. It's just if we are nitpicking here – I'm worried a little bit about the situation because he loses three offensive linemen, right? Uh, Villanueva is gone. Marquise Pouncey is gone. Matt Filer has gone. Um, so now they're replacing with rookies and backups on the offensive line. So that's a, a big scare. And then we have a 39-year-old quarterback who they're likely going to have a transition to. Mason Rudolph says he wants the job. He wants to be the starter in 2022. Not sure if that's going to happen, but it's not going to be Big Ben probably after this year. I think he's on his swan song. So I'm really excited about Najee Harris uh, for, for dynasty, but if we're nitpicking and we have to place guys above or below, um, you know, each other, he just falls outside running back uh, one territory for me because I'm not sure about um, his future for the first couple years until he gets settled uh, and he can get that situation where he, it's a little bit more certain for me. So Robbie, you have, uh, we're going to get to him, but Antonio Akers and then Najee Harris, do you have them all in the same tier? Yeah, yeah, and that's that's where we're probably not too far off, to be honest with you, Tom, because if you told me uh, uh, Najee Harris is going to be a tick above Akers next year or maybe Gibson next year, that's absolutely I, – I can see that in the cards. Um, I think once you get outside of the top uh, six backs and you look at maybe backs, maybe seven backs and you go eight to 13, they're, they're probably decently interchangeable, and it's just who do I prefer, which which situation is more comfortable. And that Steelers one, I just have a lot of question marks with it. Fair enough. Yeah, I think also uh, the amount of volume that he's going to get in Pittsburgh is going to be bonkers. Now, if you look at the three running backs that they rolled out last year, James Conner, Benny Snell, and Anthony McFarland, they total 313 carries for just over 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns. We all know that Alabama has pretty much the closest uh, example there is for an NFL program out there. And in his senior season alone, Najee had over 1,400 yards and 26 touchdowns. So, I mean, he outperformed the three current Steeler running backs. Now, I understand that they're not the offense that they used to be. You know, Juju is still there, Deontay, Claypool. I know we'll get into some of those guys. They obviously added uh, Friar Muth, who is the consensus tight end too. Derek Watt, great uh, fullback for him as well. So I really think that he, if he stays healthy, he could finish the season as an RB1. Yeah, I mean, that, that's going to be the thing, right? Like if he overcomes uh, the offensive line changes, um, if he is involved in the pass catching as we want him to be, right? Um I don't know. There's a lot of targets like you just noted, uh, and I don't think they're going to throw 650 times. So can he get to the uh, – I mean, Tom, you and I talked about in Voxer a little bit. Um, the upside we were hoping for, right, is like 70, but maybe the realistic number is more like 
uh, 60 targets. And so we're talking like 43, 45 catches. I don't know if he eclipsed that 50 uh, reception mark. And that might just be what pushes him into the running back one status. Can he get to that threshold of the 50 receptions where we see a lot of top eight running backs really have that down, except for Henry and Chubb in the past? Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you 100%. I, I think his usage in the passing game is going to be really important. We know he can do it. He's going to be a volume back, I think, early on with that horrible offensive line. Uh, you're not going to – I doubt you're going to see, like, great efficiency. You're not going to see, like, a, a 4.8 yards per carry just because the line is going to get contacted pretty early. Um, but I, I think just at a sheer volume, he's going to wind up being in that RB1 consideration. Yep, absolutely. So uh, moving on to our next guy, we have Antonio Gibson next up at running back 13 for consensus. And we're all pretty close. I'm the highest on him at running back 11, then Tom at 13, CJ, you're down at 16. And then after that, right behind him, we have J.K. Dobbins at running back 14. And this is where we have, again, one of those separations where you two have him at running back 12. And I'm the low man. I'm the low man on the totem pole all the way down at 18. So this is actually one of our bigger discrepancies where I actually have Dobbins. Uh, we're talking about these tiers, right? Because I think tier-based ranking is is really helpful. And I have him a tier below some of these other 2020 backs and some of these youthful backs. And, and it's not like I, I dislike the player, right? Like J.K. Dobbins coming out of Ohio State, you you really love that talent. And then you you, you don't hate the landing spot initially, but then we saw the, the workload that he got. He basically – the, the touchdown rate was what really just made him fantasy goldless last year, right? He scored once every 15 touches, and that's higher than every running back not named DeAndre Swift or Alvin Kamara, who had the six touchdowns um, in week 16. And so I think there's regression coming there. Um, but then the flip side of people will say, well, he's going to get more carries, right? Mark Ingram's out of town. Um, and, and while that's true, uh, Ingram only had 22 carries from week eight on. He missed a bunch of games. Uh, he was in and out of the lineup. And he's basically a non-factor for the second half of the season when we saw uh, J.K. Dobbins kind of take over. Um, and, and when I say take over, he's averaging only 12 rushes per game with his top game being 15 carries. So that workload is really unsafe for me. It's it's it's. I'd like to see more, right, if we're talking about an RB1 where you guys have him ranked. I want to see a workload where, A, he's getting closer to 16 to 20 touch uh, carries per game, and then – the pass catching, right? That's going to be the biggest knockout of, uh, for JK Dobbins out of all of these backs in the 2020 class, he showed the least. And that's not exactly his fault. Once again, kind of going back to Cam Akers, he showed it at college. JK Dobbins also did, but he's in an offense that just doesn't throw to the running backs in 2019. The Ravens only threw it 51 times to their running backs in 2020. They only threw it 50 times. They say they want to get their running backs, the ball more, maybe they do, maybe they don't, but he's still going to be uh, on the lower end of all these backs in a PPR setting. So with all that said, I just, I, I, there's no way with the touchdown regression coming with the volume concerns and then the pass catching being very, very minimal. Um, he, he can't be an RB one for me. He's a mid RB two. So are you buying into Lamar going to be throwing more often? Yeah, I think, I think they're, they're obvious. Well, I shouldn't say obviously, but they, they should throw more than they did last year. Cause they were at like a yeah. historic low, right? I think what they throw mm -hmm. 475 times. There's something crazy. Uh, like, what 40, or I think it was a 56% run 
right. run pass ratio. Yeah, a, a crazy amount. Um, you know, I didn't even mention, you know, Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards kind of being the reason his volume is so low. But yeah, I do think they throw a little bit more. I think a couple of people have made this point. I think Lamar kind of maybe dials back his rushing a little bit and, and turns those into more passing. Cause I think that that's the little bump that he needs um, to make sure that he it can not only lead the team from a rushing standpoint, but he can be that quarterback that you trust uh, throwing outside the numbers as well. So yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. And what I was getting at there was, I, I think we might see more designed runs for the actual running backs there. We're hearing he might be under center. Uh, so that is probably going to help Dobbins out a little bit. Um, I don't know if he's going to do a lot from under center that's not going to either be a design, you know, handoff or a play action. Uh, so that's something to look out for. I think that'll be interesting and could lead to, uh, you know, an uptick in, in Dobbins' volume and also efficiency. Um, yeah, I, I like Dobbins, obviously, at 12, I think – He's capped a little bit with Lamar down by the red zone. So everything that you said, I can't disagree with too much. I just, I'm counting on a volume increase and and you're a little bit uh, on the fence about it. So CJ, do you have anything to add on Dobbins? Yeah. You know, I think he had a really effective rookie campaign. I mean, you can't complain about six yards per carry. He had 800 yards with, you know, the least amount of carries between Lamar and Gus. And those other running backs, as Robbie had mentioned, uh, with the touchdowns, you know, he led the team in rushing touchdowns. He also added the 24 targets. I really think that Lamar, uh, they'll try to utilize the passing game a lot more, especially with Bateman coming in, Tylen Wallace. Obviously, Mark Andrews is still there. Uh, the running main could get better, uh, but you know, and I'm no fool either. Uh, the Ravens freaking love Gus Edwards. That's why they gave him a, a big extension. And I think it definitely hurts Dobbins' value. But uh, even over last year, Dobbins showed that he was more efficient than, than Gus. I'm just not sure if he's going to get that volume that you're talking about, and he's really going to have to flash with those limited touches that he gets to get into that low RB1 conversation. Uh, so really barring an injury to Gus Edwards, uh, I, re- I think he remains kind of like Robbie right outside of the top 12. So are you moving him down is what it sounds like with you having him at 12 there. Are you going to move him down a little bit after that conversation? Yeah, absolutely. And then even with all the training camp stuff with, with Gus, Gus Edwards this year, uh, it just the team just absolutely loves him and, and he's part of the game plan. So uh, it's going to be tough to, to get those touches. Perfect. So I, so, so I have him in a tier with Antonio Gibson and Aaron Jones. And I could see dropping him to 14 and not having any problem with that. I've been thinking about moving Antonio Gibson up anyway. So um, maybe maybe you talked me into it, Robbie. Let's go. At least, at least one spot. Yeah, I know we didn't hit on Antonio Gibson, and, and I don't want to spend too much time on him because we have plenty of guys to get to. But that's just a guy where I'm excited. You want to talk about increased workload, right? He didn't take over – um, for for a, a portion of that that season, and then he had to split a lot of time with McKissick, and I think that that pass catching work goes more to him. So um, I'm really excited about that workload, and that's why I have him so high at running back 11. So um, he, he's a guy I definitely have a tier above Dobbins. Um, but moving on, we have oh how the mighty have fallen, Clyde Edwards Elaire at running back 17. Uh, CJ, you have him at 14. I'm at 17. Tommy, you're at 18. So we're pretty close there. Um, he was kind of that consensus 101, 102 maybe. I know Tom liked JT better, but 
an up up and down year. Um, that could be a guy that honestly we we come back around after this year and we're like, man, yeah. he really found his way. Uh, we have him too low, so I wouldn't be surprised if we're up there where where CJ has him at fourteen or, or even higher. Uh, and then after that, this is where we get back into this 2021 class. We have Travis Etienne just edging out Javante Williams. Uh, he's at running back 21, Javante at 22. And we're all really close uh, with those guys. We're basically uh, exactly the same on those two players right there. And, and then we move to James Robinson. Um, how, how Again, how the mighty have fallen. You guys actually have kept him pretty decent uh, given given what happened this offseason. You guys have him at running back 24, um, both of you do, and then I'm at running back 34. So not to be the one that's always differing from you two, maybe I, I need to relook at what I'm doing. Well, but it worked well, well with J.K. Robbie, Dobbins. We, we can't really be like, oh, yeah, you're just being different to be different because you've always hated James Robinson. Let's be honest. You, you hate him. You hate his face. His I, mother wronged you somehow. <laughs> You know, honestly, I like these kind of stories, right? Obviously, being a, a Tony Romo fan that I am, I love undrafted free agents just coming in and kicking ass. Like, that is an exciting thing for me. So I like him. I just – I've seen this story so many times where the undrafted running back does well, and then they just replace him because for some reason we can't get over this this draft capital. Coaches can't. And I actually thought they, they would draft somebody but not – uh, somebody as high as they did with ETN. And so then you have a first round capital. They also brought in Carlos Hyde. It's just, a, it's a shaky situation for me again. So at best, I think he's their goal line back. Um, he's splitting touches with ETN. You hope that Carlos Hyde isn't a factor, but we know that Urban Meyer relationship with him. So I honestly think Carlos Hyde's going to be a factor. Um, this is an offensive system with Urban Meyer that, and Trevor Lawrence that I don't think favors the way that James Robinson runs the football, right? He's not a lateral guy like ETN, and we're talking about a lot of shotgun, a lot of draws, um, a lot of get-to-the-edge type of runs, and that's what ETN does well. And, and so I guess I'm just – I'd rather take a Trey Sermon. I'd rather take a Michael Carter. I'd rather take an A.J. Dillon over James Robinson because I think where you have him right now – Again, even though we said this last year where I thought he was a sell, if if he you can get him, you can sell him for a running back to value in Dynasty, I'm still selling because I think this time next year it's going to be even worse. Like I don't think there's a scenario where James Robinson reclaims the throne and pops back up in the rankings, right? Like I think this is his ceiling. Even if he that best splits work with ETN, the, the narrative next year is going to be, oh, well, ETN was working in. He was a rookie. He's going to get more playing time. He's going to get more snaps and – I just think we're at our ceiling. I'm still in the camp of selling James Robinson, but I do like him. Just not the situation. Yeah. So you you don't like him. First off, you hate him. <laughs> okay, let's be serious. Um, but yeah, he's a sell. But right now, his value's like in the shitter to everybody. Like you can't get not for you guys. Value for him. Not for um, you guys. You guys have met. No, 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 no. I'm still going. I'm not going to pay for RB24 price. I think he can wind up if you're waiting to buy James Robinson or sell James Robinson, well no. If you're waiting to buy James Robinson, now's the time to buy him. But if you're waiting to sell him, do it in like week 6 or 7 cuz he's still going to get work early. Um ETN might take over that backfield later on in the season, but I think you're still going to see James Robinson working in enough where he's going to be fantasy relevant. So I have him there because I still think that team is going to run. I think that team is going to run the ball a decent amount. 
So 25, 30 times a game, I think, is within the realm. Um, they want to be close to a 60, I'm sorry, a 50% split with a rookie quarterback as it is. That's where I would try and be. Do they? Do they? I, Why? That's where that's where I would try and to try and if they have two really good running backs. Why wouldn't they want to protect him a little bit? Mm, I'm just not sure. I mean, we didn't see that with Justin Herbert. We didn't see that with Joe Burrow. I don't think it's a rookie quarterback. We need to have an yeah. even split. Yeah, but not with they also Lawrence. those other offenses didn't have two good running backs to do that with. Yeah. CJ, what do you got? Travis Etienne was great in college, hasn't taken a single pro snap yet. So uh, J-Rob was easily uh, the best rookie running back last season. Over 1,000 rushing yards. He had 60 freaking targets, too, with 49 catches. He finished fifth in rushing, and he missed the final two weeks of the season. Now, Urban Meyer, uh, he's not he's not – He's not going to not give this guy the ball. So if anybody is really a threat to J-Rob, it's not Etienne, it's Sunshine. If you look historically at what Urban Meyer has done with quarterbacks who run, a la Tebow, a la Braxton Miller, he didn't really use the running back until he got those studs, Carlos Hyde, Zeke, and Dobbins at OSU. Uh, J-Rob is a stud, and and I don't think Sunshine will run as much as people think he will. Uh, J-Rob will be the guy there for sure. Sprinkle in Etienne a little bit, probably be a little bit more of a gadget guy until he gets his legs under him. Um, but we have to wait and see how this offense is going to go, yeah, especially with you know new offensive coordinator uh, and, and new head coach. So we'll see. You have him at 19, Etienne. You have him above James Robinson, but you just said that Etienne is going to be sprinkled in and J-Rob's the guy? I just want to confirm because I think there is that narrative, right? That we, we saw the the blurb come out that Travis Etienne is going to be the third down back, right? We, they want to use him in that Percy Harvin like role, right? So, is that the kind of narrative that you're talking about, where you still think James James Robinson is going to get the f- most of the workload? Maybe Etienne uh, works in at the running back, but he's mainly going to be the pass catcher, the flanker, the guy that's going in in the motion. Is that kind of the, the narrative you're talking about? Yeah, I think absolutely J-Rob will get the volume between the 20s, but I think Etienne will absolutely pop sometimes. And and as a PPR guy, uh, I think he could see the end zone a little bit more. Yeah, and I guess where where I'm a little bit worried for that, like let's say best case scenario, it, it works out like that. I'm, I'm, again, kind of going back to my previous point, I'm assuming that as they get more comfortable with ETN, you talk about rookie season, him uh, working in more as the season goes on. Now we're on a sophomore year. Let's fast forward. I just don't know if James Robinson is going to be at that same level. So that's why I prefer a guy like Trey Sermon. Tom, you had mentioned that you didn't have that price of a running back two for James Robinson. If I offered you James Robinson for Trey Sermon, you're giving me Trey Sermon. Would you do that trade? I'm giving you Trey Sermon. Mm-hmm. No, probably not. Okay, because you just have him ranked over him, and that's why I know. That's, that's why I, I'm saying like I can see Trey Sermon. He has a good year. He takes over from Mostert, and it, well, maybe we just transition into him. I believe he's the next guy, and I am the 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 I guess low the high guy, right? But the lowest rank, he's ranked 26 for me. Um, this is a guy that I can see take over um, kind of the way we saw Jonathan Taylor week eight, week nine, Cam Akers late in the year, Antonio Gibson middle of the season. Um, I'm missing a handful of guys that kind of took over midway through the season and it really went on a tear. And I can see the same thing with Trey Sermon. He just has Mostert in front of him. I don't want to hear about Wayne Gallman. I don't want to hear about Elijah Mitchell uh, down the down the draft board there. Um, Jeff Michael Wilson's Hasty. Out. 
Oh, there is Jermichael Hasty there as well. They, man, they just have a plethora of backs. Um, but I definitely see Trey Sermon kind of being that lead guy um, as we hit week eight, week nine of the season. So he's a guy that we look a year now, there's there's probably not even a, a close ranking between him and James Robinson. So that's why I have him. They're kind of close, but I do have Sermon above him. CJ, you're the lowest at 34. What are your thoughts on Sermon? You know, I, I really was high on him when he was at OU. Um, I really thought he was worthy of a second round pick, obviously going in the, in the middle of the back end of the third isn't horrible. Uh, I'm not a draft capital guy whatsoever, but dude, that depth chart that you said we're not allowed to talk about freaking kills me. Mostert, Hasty, Jeffrey Wilson, they've all popped in that offense at one point last year. Gallman was a great prospect at Clemson, kind of got unlucky because he was drafted right, you know, with uh, Saquon the next season. Uh, Plus, they also drafted Elijah Mitchell, who I know you don't want to talk about in the sixth round, but the dude's running four three two forties, so you're not going to keep that uh, speed on the sideline. And for whatever reason, Kyle Juszczyk, Juszczyk, whatever his freaking name is, the damn goal line vulture for the fantasy. Uh, so I, I really think if the <laughs> Niners can can get Sermon some consistent carries, it will help. But, dude, this is an NFL move, not a fantasy move. I mean, great landing spot. Give me Trey Lance quick because uh, we don't know what that usage is going to be like in that scheme. You know, Shanahan's kind of going to be like Belichick. He's going to go with a hot hand, uh, and we don't know who that's going to be yet. Yeah, quick before, Tom, you jump in. You're right. It looks crowded right now, but I think we can say the same thing last year when Jonathan Taylor heads to Indianapolis, right? We got Marlon Mack. We have Jonathan Wilkins. We have Naheem Hines. How, you know, how is that going to shake out? Um, Cam Akers with Malcolm Brown and um, Daryl Henderson, Antonio Gibson with Peterson and Peyton Barber. And I think they had someone else we were kind of excited about. Um, names escaping me but anyways so there's like it looks crowded but honestly these are just names to me most it's going to be gone after this year Wayne Gallman sure he's shown some flashes but he is not the type of electric uh downhill runner that that Trey Sermon is and Eliza Mitchell absolutely probably the best patch pass catcher on the team but probably not a between the tackles kind of guy that you're going to run over a Trey Sermon or even a Moster at this point so I, I you're right. There are a bunch of names, but I think those the cream rises to the top, as we saw with 2020 class. Um, so that's my my one little counter to that. Uh, a guy that we didn't have highlighted to kind of touch on, but I just thought it was interesting. The next guy on our list is Michael Carter. He's coming in right behind Trey Sermon. Uh, CJ, you have them basically neck and neck, 34 and 35. And then, Tom, you and I flip where I have Sermon at 26, Carter at 29, and you have Carter at 26, Sermon at 29. So just quickly, is there a reason that you like Carter just a smidge better than Sermon? Is it uh, he's more has a clearer path with the Jets there, or what's the situation for having him a little he's, bit higher? He's, uh, he's better. Oh, I like it because I also like Michael <laughs> Carter. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm known as a Trey Sermon guy, but uh, I do love me some Michael Carter. Yeah, no, I, I think he's, you know, he's more explosive. He's got better hands. And like you just said, He's got the clear path there. I mean, we have who we got in, in New York? Tevin Coleman. Is that what we're doing? Mm-hmm. Is that what we're going to talk about? No, I think Michael Carter is going to wind up having that job to himself. And I, I think that is his, his value is only going to go up. I think it's possible that they draft a running back next year. So I think he could move up in dynasty rankings and then you sell him towards the end of the season. Um, but I like Michael Carter a lot for this year. Absolutely. Uh, The next guy on our list is AJ Dillon at running back 31. 
I, I feel like he's kind of close to these two guys strictly because of my ranking. Again, Robbie's the oddball out here. I have him at 27. Tom, you're actually kind of in the middle there, running back 32, and CJ down there at 38. CJ, uh, not an A.J. Dillon fan or just don't like the, the situation, or, or why is he kind of a little bit lower for you than what Tom and I have? First of all, I love A.J. Dillon. Oh, right. I, sh I should have known. What am I doing? I know, you know, we, we will have one guy every year, you know, it was AJ Dillon, Hunter Long this year, next year it'll be Zay Flowers, and that's all we have, other than Doug Flutie and Matt Ryan. But Aaron Jones is a top 10 running back, and Aaron Rodgers is still there, and Devontae Adams is still there. He's just not going to get the volume. I know I would love for him to be a monster like he was for us in college, but I think he's going to lose some opportunities to Kylan Hill or Amari Rodgers. Uh, Jamal Williams had 35 targets in 2020 for the Packers, but A.J. Dillon is not a pass-catching back. He had 21 catches his entire college career, uh, and he only had two receptions last season as a rookie. So I really don't see him being anything but a low-end RB3 until the injury bug hits, and that, that hurts me to freaking say. Yeah, the, the big knock with him, right, is the pass catching. Like, if he had that Jamal Williams-like pass catching ability, man, he would be one of the hottest handcuffs to own, I think, in this offense. Um, so that that is the one caveat that you have. But if anything were to happen with Aaron Jones, we've seen him miss time before. We've seen how many touchdowns Aaron Jones scores in this offense. I think A.J. Dillon starts to eat into that a little bit. We saw Jamal Williams get, um, you know, over eight carries per game, which isn't great, but we're talking about – He's, he's serviceable with good touchdown appeal most weeks, and then, boom, if anything were to happen, man, uh, I think he could absolutely show out, which he did. I, I think it was a playoff game, if I'm not mistaken, where he absolutely went wild. So I think that's my my appeal and why I have, I have him a bit higher. <laughs> a guy that you have actually is the highest. Now, you're not the middleman here, uh, is Zach Moss. You have him at running back 37. I'm all the way down there, running back 48. And CJ has him outside his top 50 running backs at 51. Tom, you're the high man. What what's the love for Zach Moss? Yeah, so uh, here the funny part is I hate Zach Moss. I hate him. I don't think he's good. <laughs> but uh, between him and Devin Singletary, somebody has to. I have Devin Singletary thirty six, so I'm somewhat hedging here, saying somebody's got to win that job and take over. So I, that's the only reason why I think Zach Moss can. Um, Singletary's had the chance to, you know, take the bull by its horns and he has not. Um, and, and that's it. If you look at the guys behind him for me, Tony Pollard, Henderson, Le'Veon Bell needs to go down a lot further. I, I missed that one. Sorry about that. Uh, David Johnson, carry on. Ugh. I mean, Dude, they, none of those guys really have a, a path to being an RB1 for their team aside from an injury. So that's the only reason why I have 37. Yeah, CJ, I think I'm probably going to be more on your side of this argument where, Tom, you're right, it does get super ugly uh, in this range, but then I want to look at who can who can do something for me this year. So even if it's a one-year running back, maybe a, a Mike Davis, uh, David Johnson, not so much with everything that they have going on there, but um, – I actually have Devin Singletary over Zach Moss and CJ, it looks like you do as well. And I think that basically just comes down to other than being the more recent draft uh, selection in Zach Moss, he did nothing to show us he was the better back. Like I know Devin Singletary isn't amazing. Nobody's knocking down your, your, your trade block to try and get Devin Singletary, 
But Devin Singletary, better yards after contact, better yards per carry, um, obviously is a much better uh, pass-catching option. He had basically triple the amount of targets, uh, triple the amount of receptions, not quite, but just just under. And so we're talking about a PPR setting, man. It's not even close for me. If you're talking standard, then the touchdowns obviously go to Zach Moss is probably the next goal line back behind Josh Allen. Um, so I could could concede a little bit there. But, CJ, wh- what do you have? Kind of break down that backfield for us real quick. Yeah, same thing that Singletary or uh, Tom kind of talked about. Singletary is the guy there. They brought in Matt Breida. Uh, Moss will be their goal line back, so be completely touchdown dependent. Uh, and Josh Allen runs so much in the red zone anyway. Uh, I don't see any reason why Zach Moss is being drafted as high as he is. Uh, he has very little upside. He's a big old dude in that offense. Unless I have a deep, deep roster, I'm not grabbing him at all. Uh, I can barely get anything out of Singletary fantasy wise. So why would I take someone who's behind him on the depth chart? You know. And to be honest, I really think that hands down, no question. This is the weakest running back depth chart in the entire league. I don't want any of them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's not looking great. So um, there's there's a couple other guys, but we're going to end it there because um, we're low enough on uh, the depth chart there for for our, my liking at least. And we're going to now transition over to these wide receivers. And what's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to eleven grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We won't have as many to go over because we actually have a lot of agreement here on some of these wide receivers. Let's start out with Justin Jefferson. He is our consensus wide receiver three. Uh, we're all very close uh, on him. And then next up would be C.D. Lamb. Uh, he is wide receiver seven, so a little bit of a dip there. But again, we are all uh, extremely close. We actually have Jamar Chase right behind C.D. Lamb in front of T. Higgins there, wide receiver three of the people that we're ranking uh, with these rookies rookies and sophomores, but he's wide receiver 10 in consensus. And we're all right there with him. So I think the first kind of discrepancy that we will have is with T Higgins, where I have him at wide receiver 17. Tom, you have him at wide receiver 22. And then CJ, you're down there at wide receiver 25. Um, is it uh, Jamar Chase that's kind of scaring you off of him or, or why kind of a little bit of a drop after the season we saw from T Higgins? Yeah, I think Chase uh, really hurts his value. And, you know, Boyd is is no slouch either there. You know, add in Burrow's other LSU target this year and Thad Moss at tight end and a healthy Joe Mixon. <laughs> I, I don't Thad think that – I don't think he's going to see 108 targets like he saw last year. Uh, this is, you know, no indication of me actually sliding him down forever. You know, Boyd's there for another three years. Chase just signed a four-year deal. All three of them will be there through 2023, so – once again, if an injury happens and he's absolutely going to skyrocket, but 
I don't see Chase being a bust, and Boyd is a solid wide receiver too all day. So I think that offense can support two top 24 options, obviously, uh, and that's in you know throughout a couple of years. So it's not just saying he's the 22 dynasty receiver and he's going to be outside you know a wide receiver three, but because he's young, whatever. I think they can support two top 24 wide receivers for years to come with with Joe Burrow. Um, T. Higgins has a very good skill set. We saw that last year. He was pretty much the only show there, um, and we didn't have Joe Burrow throwing it to him. Um, and he showed a lot more than I thought he had. I, I, I will give you credit for that one, Robbie. I did not. I wasn't a T. Higgins fan. Um, and I think Jamar Chase going there might actually help him because it's going to shift coverage away from them, and they're going to throw the ball enough. I think you're going to see enough passing volume out of that offense uh, where, you know, they're both going to be able to be efficient. So I have him at 22. I don't think it's too low. I don't think it's too high. I think it's just right. Yeah, this is this guy's kind of a value for me because I think a lot of people are dropping him a little bit lower because of Jamar Chase. But, Tom, just like you, I think absolutely they can support two wide receivers. I mean, this is an offense with Joe Burrow that basically threw almost 40 times per game. I mean, they were clicking uh, with the passing game. And and obviously T. Higgins took a little bit to um, blossom on his own, right? right? We have A.J. Green in there taking up 100-plus targets, which was insane. Um, that could have gone to T. Higgins. Um, yes, Tyler Boyd is absolutely still there. He's still going to uh, get his as well. But, man, this is an offense that is just going to throw so darn much, just like the Cowboys where we saw uh, basically near near three wide receivers get close to that 100-target that mark. And so I think the same thing could happen in this offense. And, and with T. Higgins' touchdown upside as well, um, and, and then again, if we want to say the, the rookie learning curve, right? Like not every rookie pops off like Justin Jefferson in week four or CeeDee Lamb in, in week two. I think sometimes it takes a little bit. Jamar Chase is going to be amazing. He's ranked higher than T. Higgins for me. But there could be a world where T. Higgins is kind of leading the way through the first half of the year. So I, I'm definitely a T. Higgins fan, but I definitely understand why some people have dropped him. And I'm going to try and take advantage of that in some of my leagues. The next guy we have up, uh, kind of right behind him at wide receiver 20, is Chase Claypool. Again, I'll be the high guy on him at wide receiver 19. CJ, you are right there with me at wide receiver 21. Tom, you and I have had our Chase Claypool discussions a couple times mm -hmm. now. Uh, I think we've got to have one more here with CJ. You have him down at wide receiver 27. Uh, Tom, I've heard your argument, but maybe some of the uh, listeners haven't and CJ hasn't. Uh, why do you have Chase Claypool a little bit lower? Mainly Deontay Johnson and Juju for right now and Najee, the overall weapons that they have there. I think he's the third option there. His efficiency deep was just outstanding last year. I don't think he can keep that up. Um, he was very efficient last year. I just don't think that's going to happen as much this year. Uh, I think a lot of his touchdowns, I don't have it in front of me right now. I think he had five to six touchdowns from the 10 yard and in last year, uh, which I think Najee is going to take some of those away, obviously. So I think he was touchdown dependent and that's going to hurt him quite a bit with Najee being there. I, I think they run a lot more than they have been uh, where they're not going to throw the ball 600 times because they got Najee in the first round to run the ball. Um, so that's my main reason. I'm pretty sure if you listen to the show, you've heard me pontificate enough 
No, I'll just say that Tom has him as a dynasty sell. That's that's the hotness, um, and he's not calling him a bust. He's just saying at this value he would he would be selling. So uh, CJ, I'm I'm with you. Tell tell Tom why he's wrong. You know, I absolutely have no idea what to make of Juju coming back this year. Is he going to be good or bad? I don't know. I still think defenses will game plan for him. Uh, Deontay seems to be that vertical threat. Uh, so with that, and and Chase being 6'4", 238, the frame of a possession guy. Uh, Najee's new to the NFL. Maybe might be lacking some of that pass pro. Plus a subpar O-line. I think Ben will have to get it out pretty quickly, which is going to leave lots for Claypool to eat. Yeah, no, definitely. I think what what's so interesting with this offense is going to be their new philosophy with new OC Matt Canada. And what does that pass run distribution look like, like Tom was saying? I don't think there's any way they keep up with their 650 attempts that they gave Big Ben last year. I definitely think that gets scaled back on a per-game basis. Um, obviously, we have the extra game, but on a per-game basis, they'll probably scale it back. So um, there's probably some redistribution of how many targets each individual is getting. But I do think uh, Chase Claypool kind of leaps Juju in that pecking order because we did see Juju get more targets than Claypool. Um, obviously, Deontay was, was way ahead of them pacing the way. I think he had 140 targets or so. Um, so I do think Chase makes up for his his regression in the touchdown rate because, Tom, you're absolutely right. Uh, there's no way he's going to probably return that. But I do think the targets bump up a bit. And uh, I believe in a previous video I talked about that uh, reception rate, right? He's only He only caught 57% of his passes in year one. And we've seen rookies that have done that, and they've struggled to kind of figure it out that first year. And I definitely think um, that jumps up to a much higher percentage. Um, league average is around 64, 65%. So even if he got to 62%, say, um, that's a, a handful of extra receptions, maybe an extra touchdown. Um, and, and as well with his long um, yards per reception, um, the yardage will come with that as well. So, yep. uh, CJ, I think Deontay is actually more of the possession guy there. He just can get vertical. And Claypool is – I think he's the deep threat there. I think that's what they use him as. He yeah, can crazy. be a big body possession receiver, but he had, I believe, the highest yard per reception out of everybody there. Yeah, and that's crazy because, like, Notre Dame, when he was coming out, I thought everybody thought he was going to be a tight end. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, he, but then he pops off with that speed, right? Like, right. you look at that size-speed combo, and that's why I have him so high because he has that uh, not – Calvin Johnson, but that that type of build, right? That type of of archetype of a body, and, and that's that's just a, a a type of a player that I want on my fantasy teams, and someone that I can see succeed not only because they're fast, not only because they have big size, but then uh, all the other intangibles that he adds as well. So um, excited about him! A guy that Tom is excited about is Brandon Ayuk, and we Ooh. have a consensus wide receiver twenty three, but I feel like he'd be a lot higher if. Uh, CJ and I didn't have him down at 28 a piece and you're up there at wide receiver 17. So CJ, you and I are the low guys on him. Uh, talk to us a little bit about Brandon Ayuk. Uh, can we just fast forward to Trey Lance, please? Because no. Jimmy grapes is not good. <laughs> I, I know Shani's a mad genius behind the offense. We all know this is a run first run second team. Uh, you still have to feed Kittle and, all the running backs that they have that we already named off, all six of them can catch. Uh, not sure what Debo or Ayuk will get uh, for the split. Honestly, until Lance takes over and the passing targets get spread out, he'll be a low-end wide receiver too for me. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of of the mindset that, and Tom and I, again, like Claypool, you and I have had this discussion before, but yeah. um, I'm of the mindset that, like you said, CJ, they are a run first, run second type of team. And even further to your point, if they make the move to Trey Lance, I think that gets worse, not better. I think they, they run more. Um, and so that's why I'm just worried about the volume, right? Because like you said, Kittle's going to get his. Those backs are all going to combine for probably – seven to 10 targets a game. So um, Debo, I, I think Tom, Tom's point is Debo is definitely uh, lower on that pecking order, definitely behind Ayuk. And I think they're a little closer. I definitely have Ayuk higher, but I think they're probably only like, you know, Debo is in the six target range and maybe Ayuk's in the seven target range if you average it out throughout the year. So I think it's a little bit closer um, than, than probably Tom does. So I just don't know if that ceiling is there for Ayuk. So that's why I have him lower. And then just how that offense looks once it changes to Lance, I'm I'm kind of nervous about that passing offense in terms of volume. Ayuk games he played after week seven, wide receiver nine. Uh, PFF had him rating as the ninth best route runner uh, in those games that he played there as well. He is a fantastic route runner. If you look over at Matt Harmon's reception perception, dude just gets open. Once he gets a ball in his hands, he's also awesome. It doesn't even matter. He's just – I love Brandon Ayuk. I mean, if you listen to the show, if you paid attention to anything on Twitter, if you did anything as far as listening to me on Prop Talk with Cody that we do during the season, I was hammering Ayuk during those those weeks and just paying out like crazy. So maybe I love him because he made me a lot of money. Um, but you know what? I think he's going to continue to make some money for people and you know, let's go. Yeah. And, and here's the other thing. So we're going to talk about who I have him above Keenan Allen. You know, Keenan Allen's getting a little longer in the tooth. Brandon Ayuk is not, he's not Keenan Allen's not old, but I still like Brandon Ayuk. I prefer him there. Um, Devonta Smith. I'm high on Devonta Smith, too, so we're going to get to that one. So I'm just going to leave that there. Jalen Waddell, uh, I have him slightly above him. That's how my – you know I love Jalen Waddell, too, by the way. So, you just love everybody. Jerry Judy, T. Higgins, they're all in that same tier for me, though. So that's what I'm getting at is you have Ayuk, Allen, Devonta, Waddell, Judy, T. Higgins, Cortland Sutton, and Deontay. They're all in the same exact tier for me. So I He's have got 24 eight. wide receiver ones. No, it's no, it's so it's my wide receiver 17 to 24 are all in the same tier. So you can rearrange them and I'd be perfectly fine with any of your rankings. That's just how I have them. That's what I'm getting at. We talk about tiers all the time, right? Yeah, I think I think the one thing for me is that he's a tier below because you talked about those weeks where you were just making money, making money, right? missing two individuals on that field that will most likely be on the field for 2021. And that is Kittle and Debo, right? When all three of them were in the lineup together, his receiving totals uh, for, for Ayuk were 18 reception yards, 44 yards, 12 yards. Early, and then he, early and then he on went in off. the season, man, it was a different player, different scheme, different player, different everything. The kid. So the, the Kittle one is tough for me to like sit here and use because he didn't pop off until later in the season. Now, you can say he didn't pop off because Kittle wasn't playing, or it can be because of the development. 
It can so definitely be both. It can be both. Yeah. And I and I think he got better, absolutely. And it's and you have to be talented to go off the way he did in the end of the year. This is not a knock on talent once again, because like you said, he showed out. His route running was fantastic. I think he really meshed with poor quarterback play. Honestly, your your counter could be he's gonna have better quarterback play than he did last year. And and I I do like the player. I'm just again, the cap on the volume with both these guys healthy is the big thing for me. Fair enough. Uh, but jumping down to the wide receiver two in this class, uh, coming out right behind Iuke is Jalen Waddle. He is our consensus wide receiver 24. And, Tom, you and I are kind of keeping him propped up here at wide receiver 20. CJ, you have him all the way down at wide receiver 33, and I think that's a little bit of a gap that we need to discuss. Why so low on Jalen Waddle? I should absolutely not be this low on Jalen Waddle. And as I saw the so sh- show sheet, I was like, damn it. Uh, what the hell are you doing, CJ? <laughs> he will be moving up, but he is dynamic. He's got speed. He's playing with his college quarterback now. Uh, I don't care about the draft capital. Tua was all right in his rookie season, nine games, 1,800 yards, 11-5. Uh, but he didn't do enough to keep Fitzmagic on the sidelines. Uh, Devontae Parker, who's still doing his five- or six-year breakout BS, uh, is still there. They added Will Fuller, who's a field stretcher, just like Waddle. Uh I think the lack of running game scares me, honestly. I mean, Gaskin is serviceable, but absolutely no one is game-planning against him. Uh, I think opposing defenses will cover those wide receivers. They'll make Gaskin beat them. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Lynn Bowden Jr., who's I believe is going to be moving to wide receiver, and Jakeem Grant uh, gets into the mix either. Uh, honestly, though, like Higgins, uh, I think Waddle will just need some time. He'll eventually be a wide receiver one. Uh, I, I just don't think it's going to be this year. Sure. And, and I think what you're saying is absolutely right. And that's why he's a little bit lower for me uh, at wide receiver 20, where is if this if this room was a little bit more clear, like if Waddle goes to the Eagles, I probably have him even higher um, than where I do now. But yeah, uh, a little bit of question mark. I'm a Tua believer. I believe he takes that next step, but there's still that question there. And then the busy room is why um, he can be where you, you said you're going to bump him up a little bit, but probably lower than where Tom and I have him at wide receiver 20. Uh, Tom, any thoughts on Waddle? Yeah, so it's it's a crowded room. So, CJ, you said they're going to cover those wide receivers. I, I really want to see NFL defensive coordinators try and figure out how to cover Will Fuller when he comes back, Devontae Parker, Jalen Waddle, Mike Gusecki. Woo-wee! Yeah, they're going to have to play zone. There, there's no way you're playing man-to-man against these dudes. Oh, but yeah. because of that, you're taking dudes out of the box now to cover. Yeah, so it's it's going to be fun to see. And then uh, you have Jalen Waddle and Will Fuller just popping off. I think Jalen Waddle is going to work um, a lot, in the, mostly in the slot, especially during his rookie season. You're going to have Gusecki on that other side. So you're going to see a lot of three wide receiver sets, Gusecki flanked out. So it's going to be basically a four wide receiver look. So you're going to see a lot of things that are going to be wide open because of that spread out. So I think Gaskin is going to get some room because they're going to have to respect the, um, you know, the, the deep threats in, in Fuller and Jalen Waddle. So he might not be the best running back, but he's not going to be dealing with any eight man boxes throughout the entire season. And if there's one thing Jalen Waddle can do, it is stretch the field, especially out of the slot. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing that. That Tua connection with him, let's see that go back. You guys know how much I love Jalen Waddle. So, yeah, uh, he's somebody I could easily see moving up 
a lot higher than 20 this yeah. season. Oh, and we have breaking news right now too. Will Fuller just pulled his hamstring. So <laughs> let's move a waddle up even further. Oh, well, he stayed healthy last year. Might have been because of the steroids, but he stayed healthy. No, that's that's actually a really good point on on that is that he's has not a trustworthy guy. Um, no. And then and then the uh, the other names you said, honestly, I'm not really worried about him. Devonte Parker, sure, a little bit, but Grant, Lynn Bowden, no. Man, if if Will Fuller were to get hurt, man, that could be a, a really ex- shouldn't say exciting for an injury, but uh, <laughs> the the prospect for Jalen Waddle uh, would be exciting there. You're um, a let's monster. Move on, I know, <laughs> so evil. Uh, I'll move <laughs> on to. Wide receiver 27 for us is Devontae Smith. Uh, Tom, again, another player that you love, potentially because he's an eagle, also because he's hashtag good at football, though. Uh, yeah. He's at wide receiver 19, and then CJ and I are down there, wide receiver 29 and 31. Uh, y'all, Tom, floor is yours to start off. Wax poetic on Devontae. So first off, you guys know I hate most eagle players right now, right? So it's I don't love him because he's an eagle. Let's, let's just get that out of the way. Um, I do love him because he is the only competent receiver that they have. And his volume as a rookie should be, he should probably get the second most targets, possibly the first most targets out of any rookie wide receiver this year. Jamar Chase being the only one that might outpace him. Um, and that's with the Eagles not even throwing a ton. That's just because their other options there aren't, aren't that great. So you factor in, that Devonta Smith is a fantastic route runner. He's exactly what they need there as far as someone who can get open, get first downs, move the chains. Uh, he's a timing wide receiver as well, so that's something Jalen Hurts is really going to have to depend on because he's been having trouble. You know, He has trouble get, getting off his first or second read. So if he's on his first read and Devonta Smith gets open, guess what? He's getting the fucking ball. Um, so that's a big reason. I think he's dynamic. I just think he's a he's exactly what that offense needs. And when we talk about wide receivers that get volume and are efficient, then that's you know, that's your combination for a top twenty wide receiver. So I think he's another guy who can go higher. Um, I had him and Jalen Waddle neck and neck throughout the entire process. I still have them neck and neck after they came in with both their landing spots. But the only reason I have Devonta Smith edging out Jalen Waddle for this is the landing spot and the the volume. Yeah, and I'm I'm actually going to skip our next guy in the rankings. It's 34, wide receiver 34, Rashad Bateman, and go right to Jalen Rager, who is our consensus wide receiver 36, because it just ties in with the Devonta Smith uh, conversation where, Tom, I think you've kind of done the the big split, right, with them where you view Devonta Smith as – just the clear cut number one, Jalen Rager still needs to prove himself. Where I think CJ and I looking at our rankings, we're a little bit um, more of the mindset that they're going to be pretty close in, in their production here in 2021. Just to read off the numbers here, uh, Rager CJ has him at 30, and he had Devonta at 29. So you're you're you have neck and neck, CJ. I'm I'm close as well. Devonta Smith. 31 and then Rager at 35 and then Tom your big split is 19 to 46 so uh, not to go right back to you Tom but but explain why the big big drop off for Jalen Rager so I think he's going to be used mainly as a deep threat as a field stretcher so I I don't think Jalen Rager is going to be a bad NFL player but I think he's going to be a better NFL player than he is a fantasy player um 
he's going to stretch the field. He's going to have, you know, that purpose. I'm not sure what his volume is going to be like. He wasn't that efficient last year. He didn't look great. I think the one thing we thought was, okay, he's going to get some short routes. You're going to work some wide receiver screens in. And he's going to break it. He didn't, he didn't show that at all. The only thing he showed any explosiveness last year on the field was during a punt return. That's it. Now it, it may have been the injury early that, that curbed him, but he just didn't show much last year. So if you have an alpha like Devonta Smith going in there, he's going to take over that wide receiver room. And Jalen Rager is going to be a clear wide receiver too there. Uh, and I think he, again, I think he'll be fine as part, as far as like serving his purpose in an NFL offense. But as far as a top, you know, you guys have him as a starter. You, you have him as a wide receiver three. I, I can't, I can't do that yet. Well, I mean, that, that's that's what I think my point, and CJ, I'll let you speak right, right after this, is that we only have him as a wide receiver three. We're not saying he's going to be amazing, but he's a young guy who is injury red, or injury right away that stunted his development, no offseason. Like, I think you're just throwing this guy to the wolves before he's even had his real shot to show. If you think back to that offense, nobody looked good in that offense last year, Tom. Like, it's not just Rager. Nobody looked good. So um, I definitely think it, we're, we're – dropping on him a little bit too soon. Uh, CJ, what's your views on him? Yeah, the reason I have him neck and neck is because I think they're both incredibly talented, uh, especially for Devonta. The accolades speak for themselves last year. You know, I, I think this is another case of some of those other intangibles outside of the wide receiver room. Uh, I'm, I'm a lot higher on Jalen Hurts than some others are. Uh, you know, I think he really improved his senior season at OU. You know, he propped up C.D. Lamb, obviously. Uh, Rager is still there. I know we'll talk about it as a big threat, but I really don't think so. Uh, with Hertz, a new offense being injected this year, too. There's no guarantee that this high powered offense we, we expect is going to be there. Uh, both Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell are, are effective pass catchers. I am really high on Kenny Gainwell, too. The, the fifth round draft selection uh, did nothing to stop me from getting him in all of my rookie drafts. Uh, once again, this is a story of youth that just needs some time to figure it out. Uh, my rankings of both of them speak nothing to their talent level. It speaks to where they are in this snapshot of time. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Tom, just give them time. Give them time to grow, okay? Yeah, I'm but, so I just don't know how you can have them that close. Is Jalen Hurts the long-term quarterback for the Eagles? I don't think so. We'll save that for a different pod because that could be a juicy conversation. Uh, but we got to get to my guy, Rashad Bateman, who I skipped over so rudely, but I felt like the Eagle wide receivers paired together well. And I'm the high guy uh, with him at wide receiver 27. Tom, you were at wide receiver 36 and CJ at wide receiver 41. And and this this is a ranking where I feel like I don't have a lot of statistical evidence of why he will be this good. I just – have the same feeling that I had with AJ Brown and then the landing spot happened and I got scared off AJ Brown. Everybody told me the volume won't be there. Um, you know, there, there's Corey Davis there. They have other pass catchers there. He won't be able to do it. You need to drop him down your rankings. 
and I listened to that, and I don't have any A.J. Brown shares to this day, and I'm so pissed about it that I'm not going to let the same thing happen with Rashad Bateman because I view him as that good. I think he was extremely good coming out of Minnesota. I think he can play anywhere on the field. I think he can fit into whatever role you need him to fit in this offense. Um, and I, like I said at the beginning um, with Lamar Jackson, I think he is going to have to pass more. I think that they're, they're going to want to pass more. I think that's how they take their next step and make it further in the postseason. So I think he'll be their guy. Uh, Marquise Brown absolutely will still be there. Sammy Watkins will mix in for a couple games until he gets hurt. Um, obviously, Mark Andrews is there to eat up targets in the middle, but Bateman, Bateman's going to his work his way in there, and I, I really like the player, and I don't want to get moved off just based off a landing spot. I think it'll work itself out uh, with the talent. Yeah, Bateman was a, a monster and a stud. Uh, he was my wide receiver, too, uh, leading up to the draft behind Chase. Uh, but man, I freaking loathe this landing spot. Just woof completely. Uh, you know, Lamar had a great season in 2019 and then he honestly regressed in 2020, uh, you know, through for, uh, 10 less touchdowns, increases number of interceptions. Hollywood is still there. Tylen Wallace was also there. I, I know he's, he's not as, uh, highly touted as Bateman, but, uh, he's still a target. Mark Andrews is a top three tight end in the league, in my opinion. So, uh, Bateman has the talent. He just doesn't have that clear path to targets right off the bat to be the top wide receiver that people are propping him up to be. Yeah, I'll jump over to a guy that I honestly think is really interesting because of the news we've been hearing at a Jaguars camp, and that's Lavishka Chenault. Um, consensus, he's wide receiver 37 for us. Uh, CJ, you have him at 35. Tom, you're at 42. And I'm at 44. And honestly, as this news comes out and as we see more uh, throughout this mini camp and heading into training camp, uh, he might be a guy that I need to move up because there's just a lot of conversation about how he can maybe supplant Chark as that wide receiver one uh, for Trevor Lawrence. CJ, with you being the, the highest on him, uh, give us some thoughts. I think well, hold, a lot of people. Hold on, real quick. Um, CJ, you also have. DJ Shark at 20. So I want you to talk about your love for DJ Shark and Chenault. So go ahead. Because you clearly love the wide receivers in that room. I love the two wide receivers in that room. Uh, and well, that's those two. They're the only ones that matter. Come on. Let's exactly. Go. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people are scared of Visca's uh, injury history. I I'm not at all. Uh, obviously, right now, he's the clear wide receiver, two behind Shark. Sunshine, one of the most highly touted college prospects literally ever, you know, that we're seeing in at least my lifetime, you know, and he's about to go into an offense uh, that Urban Meyer is going to bring in that has won multiple national championships. Uh, plus they brought in Daryl Bevel, uh, who worked six years with Russ and, and the last two years with Stafford. Uh, I really think that this, this youth team, I think they're going to pop. Uh, that's why I'm so high on Shark because I really think – Sunshine is that much of a better quarterback. I mean, come on, last year, Minshew had that one great game, and then he just fell off a cliff. And sh what, Mike Glennon? Give me a freaking break, dude. You know, so this guy had 58 catches on 79 targets, 600 yards, five touchdowns, uh, and he was hurt for three games. He also had 18 carries for the team. So uh, I know we need to see what Sunshine's going to do, but, but I like where I have both of them. Yeah, this is definitely a guy, like like I said, I want to continue to watch and monitor, and I'll probably adjust as we get more information because, um, it, it, like you're saying, this is going to be a new offense. They're going to shake things up, and, and who knows 
probably better of how to get guys um, the ball in space that I think a, a college coach, especially one in Urban Meyer. So um, exciting, uh, excited to see what they have in store for 2021. The next three guys we have on our list are all 2021 rookies, but we, we have them pretty close. We have Terrace Marshall. He's coming in at wide receiver 42. Then we have Elijah Moore and Rondell Moore uh, coming in at 45 and 46, uh, respectively. And then we get down to Michael Pittman uh, right behind him, right behind Rondell Moore at wide receiver 47. Uh, I am the high guy at wide receiver 39. CJ, you're the low guy at 55. And then, Tom, you're right smack in the middle like you normally are at wide receiver 48. Uh, CJ, not as high on Pittman. What are your thoughts there with that Colts offense? Carson Wentz, yuck, you know, uh, <laughs> he's, he's third on the depth chart right now behind T.Y. and Paris Campbell. Uh, they have four running backs who can play in all phases of the game with J.T., Mack, Hines, and Wilkins. He had an okay rookie season, but, I mean, nothing to write home about. He averaged 4.6 targets a game, uh, and he only had one game of over 66 receiving yards. Uh, for those uh, – Twitter age people. He'll also be 24 one month into this season. I just don't think he makes a huge leap this year. Uh, Wentz also can't stay healthy. So that means that he could be having Jacob Eason or Sam Ellinger throw him the ball. Stayed healthy no last thanks. year. He, he's, a back end, he, healthy. he's a back end roster talent until TY retires and they improve at that quarterback position. Yeah, I, I think TY is still on the roster and obviously that's going to slow him down a little bit, but I, I don't think he stays ahead of him on that roster very long, um, especially when we're talking about targets. And we saw T.Y. basically do nothing for a majority of the season. It wasn't until, what, week 13, 14, where he just went on this four-game tear and absolutely torched Houston's defense twice, right? Uh, so he absolutely uh, did some work there. But um, Paris Campbell's a guy that I like. Again, we talk about health. We, we, we can't ever rely on him. I'd love to see him get some work done. Really, if T.Y. moved out of the picture, man, I would be so high, so much higher than I am already on Pittman and Paris Campbell as well. But I do think Pittman has that good size speed combo that we're talking about, uh, kind of the sideline uh, numbers kind of uh, wide receiver that, again, it's if you believe in Carson Wentz or not. And I think we saw good Carson Wentz for multiple years. And then we saw a really bad Carson Wentz when the offensive line was destroyed, when that offense was absolutely dysfunctional. Carson Wentz was definitely part of the problem for sure. But I think new start back with Frank, Frank Reich. And I, I do think we see good Carson Wentz again, Tom, how about you? Yeah, I think we see good Carson Wentz again. And I think a lot of it's going to come down to the running game. He's got the best running back he's ever had. So we can actually rely on that. So he's not going to have to throw the ball as much as he did in Philadelphia, where they basically said, hey, you have to throw the ball 50 times or 45 times a game. So with him not having to do that, I think he'll be a lot more efficient. I think Michael Pittman is what that offense needs because you have T.Y. and Paris Hilton, who are both smaller speed guys. T.Y. is not going to be there for much longer. And Paris Campbell, I'm not really sure how – how we can believe in Paris Campbell over Michael Pittman at this point. So I like Michael Pittman over all three of those, or I'm sorry, over those two wide receivers and sign me up. I'm right in the middle of you guys. Michael Pittman's a guy I think I could probably move up a little bit. I'm going to take that as a win. Move him up. Give me the dub on that one. We'll finish it out uh, with Michael Pittman. Uh, guys, I think this was really fun because – 
it's so hard to try and, and base these rookies that we haven't seen take it at one single NFL snap and how how much can we project onto them? Because um, we've seen the 2020 rookie class have a ton of success, but we've also seen rookie classes kind of stumble out of the gates. And, you know, is are one of these wide receivers going to be in Nikhil Harry? Um, and then on the flip side, it, maybe one is, is a Terry McLaurin and pops off right away. So I think it's good to kind of look at this young talent and try and parse in where these rookies kind of mix in with the sophomores. So uh, any last thoughts before we wrap up? I oh, mean, oh. CJ, thanks for coming on. It was a fun time, man. Got to have you on more. No, man. Uh, like Tom said, I'm, I'm pumped to have you on because uh, as the three who do the dynasty rankings, I, I think it's good to kind of hear why someone has somebody ranked higher or lower. Because if you're just reading it off, you're like, man, CJ has Michael Pippen all the way down at, at wide receiver 55. He's not even paying attention. He's, he's He hasn't updated it yet. So it's good to kind of get some context behind the rankings. So um, appreciate you jumping on. You can find CJ at Clubber underscore Lang 83 on Twitter. Tom is at Dynasty Infidel. I am at NFL Robbie on Twitter. Make sure you give uh, us a follow. And then don't forget about FF underscore authority for TFA's uh, Twitter page. Um, we're going to have a lot of stuff coming out for you guys this summer, a lot of Dynasty content. And then as we get ready for redraft as well, we'll, we'll dive into the uh, mainstream redraft, but we're definitely going to keep the Dynasty content coming for you all summer long. Peace. <laughs> Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O C-O. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.